Welcome to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we are on the air, and and don't worry about it, Sharon. Um, I want to say I wish people would stop at the stop line on that uh, where the caribou meets Highway 16, because again this morning somebody has passed the stop line, and there was one car between me and them, and I kept creeping up to the car in front of me thinking they would move ahead. They didn't, but the passenger got out and pushed the walk button, so we were able to get the light that way. But too many people, I pulled up there with six vehicles behind the person, because they're not or in front where they're supposed to be on the stop line. Anyway, Sharon, we are here on the air again. Good afternoon and welcome to Senior Moments. And uh, today our first guest is Ken Hall. And Ken is the executive director of uh, Prince George um, Symphony Orchestra. And we were just talking about Toronto, where he spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time uh, doing music. And so before we get into... um, your new job, nine months. I said to him, nine months, what are you going to give birth to, eh, Ken? <laughs> so you spent some time in Toronto, which is a very wonderful musical city, has um, the O'Keefe Centre and and some beautiful <laughs> opera places. And Oh, the new opera house there is spectacular. I yeah. can't imagine yeah. it, yeah. Um, I was there when it was um, uh, Princess... Princess something theater, and uh, it was really quite. It had um, ca- uh, places to sit up on the side of the wall, and you could yeah. oversit the. Well, it was the Prince of Wales Theater. Is that the one you're thinking? I of? think I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I used but, to I used to call it the, the Prisoner of War Theater because <laughs> of the size of the backstage. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was pretty tiny, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so there you were involved <laughs> in children's opera. That's right. And yeah. I think that is something that is really cool. I've seen a couple of kids on America's Got Talent that just blow me away. Like, how does a kid sing like that when they're so little? Yeah, and I mean, sometimes, honestly, the answer is probably they shouldn't be singing like that when they're little. They yes. should be learning to sing with solid technique. And, and yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we kind of shied away from that at, at the children's opera. Yeah. And, and focused on just solid technique and, and learning to sing yes. well. Yes. And you can add the big vibrato when you're a little old. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just uh, <laughs> think it has to hurt them somehow or other because they're well, so can. tiny. Yeah. They can, yeah. And uh, breaking things inside of your throat. <laughs> that's, I mean, I don't have the words, but that's what my yeah. feeling was. But that would mm. be fun, but it also would be challenging mm. because kids can be moody. They can throw themselves on the floor and say, I don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, it, I guess they could. But I think what you find is that the kids who are really interested in, in the arts and, in, and you know, to the extent that they would come and be part of an yes, opera program like yeah. that, they're, they're already pretty disciplined. Oh, good. And, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's a great group of children. I, I always tell people I've got a very skewed view of what teenagers are like because <laughs> the teenagers I knew and, and yeah. spent time with were yeah. all, you know, committed. They're, they're all committed to yeah. this incredibly disciplined yes. pursuit, and and they're interested in opera and yeah. learning different languages, and you know, they're they're not just average kid off the street. No, they're. No. Um, you know, they're just 
very interested in something and and getting like having that focus for kids i think is so important in in development absolutely and, and, and even if they don't go on with it they've uh, they've developed something a part of themselves that so many kids don't get a chance unless they're in a big family like i was that all sing and learn right. to harmonize and and to uh, know what notes are but that was just because i was in that kind of family yeah, and uh, most of the kids in the opera program didn't go on to be professional opera singers. No. Some do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it's about appreciating culture and, again, learning that discipline. It's We know that kids that participate in those sorts of activities have every advantage that you also get from sports, right? Yes. That, that same kind of discipline. And, uh, you know, they excel in whatever field they yeah. can do. Yeah, because you're developing part of your brain that is is uh mathematical uh and musicality and you know and it, even just decision making and mm-hmm. handling the pressure of live performance oh, and, yes. and all, all sorts of those yeah those things that you know i don't think there's any better preparation for a job interview than performance i agree it's, yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to someone last night, and I said, if I was doing job interviewing again, I would want to know if they played a team sport, mm-hmm. and I would like to know what kind of music that they appreciated and enjoyed, because mm-hmm. those are the things that you work. You've got to work with someone to develop. You're not, you know, and uh, with the team, you're only one part of it. And with the chorus, you're just one part of it to make it really something. And so uh, those are things I don't think that they say, what are your hobbies? But I would get into really asking because I think uh, team is what you want at work. Not There's not one person that is the the very best uh, everybody hi tim everybody is uh, important in winning it i think so that was and so you were doing that for quite a while um and do you have children yourself i don't no. you don't eh well, you must have had enough. I, I just borrowed, I borrowed a lot. <laughs> well, that was the same as me at the transition. That was, I had all kinds of children <laughs> and I learned to love all kinds of children. And so you, you, um, got, uh, a job to come out here to the Wild West, but you were born in Calgary. So that's all Wild West country. You got that. Yeah, and arguably mm-hmm. wilder in some ways. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I always say that Alberta is an American um, state <laughs> just got lost here. We have to we have to cross through a border crossing to get into Alberta, right. even if it's just the park. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. they are funny. I have relatives living there, so I've been there quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've enjoyed myself. <laughs> and um, and so you're one of um, a team that has to. Uh, provide us with the beautiful entertainment that you do. And I wanted to talk just a little bit about uh, the staff because, you know, they get to be yourself and and the rest of your staff get be behind the scenes. People just need to know that you've got some pretty wonderful people helping you out there. Absolutely, yeah. So let's just acknowledge. Um, now, if I have their names here, I have... Uh, McRitchie, uh, Ian. Ian McRitchie, yeah. And he's yeah. the 
he's, operations? He's our operations manager, yeah. yeah. So he takes care of a lot of the contracting and scheduling and booking flights for artists and, oh. you know, a, a lot of the nitty-gritty stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and then uh, Christian um, Buzz? Buzzi. Buzzi. Yes, it's Italian. Uh, yeah. Oh, Buzzi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, so, yeah. does he answer the phone? He's he answers the phone. He answers the emails. He runs the website. He he does. Uh, he's responsible for you know marketing and communications. And oh, he's got such a lovely way on the on the telephone. He's I very have good. To with say. People. Yeah. yeah, it's wonderful. And, and he runs the box office as well. So oh, does he really? He's got a few things to take care of. Yeah, yeah. and an Italian to boot. <laughs> and then uh, Erica. Yeah. Uh, Erica Scowron, yeah, yeah. Who, who's our principal oboe player, but she also is our librarian, our music librarian. Yeah. yeah. And then I didn't, so you've got Maestro Michael Hall, and, and uh, he came in 2017, I understand, from this Toronto, is his fifth I think. season, I believe, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so I've got him coming in March. I think we're going to start having the Maestro Hour. That's which wonderful, is, yeah. I, think is so important I was so lucky to at lunchtime as a, as a school kid I'd come home for lunch and there was a show called the Teddy Bears Picnic and yeah. it was on CBC and it was all about music and instruments and uh, and so I got to learn that at a very young age and so I talked to Michael about it and said you know Michael how many people get to know the instruments and where they came from and so He's been doing a wonderful presentation of the history of, of these mm. different instruments and how important they are. Then you have um, the core professional musicians. So are these like employees? They, they, yeah, they are employees. They're they're part time. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have uh, you know a full nine month yeah. concert every weekend kind yeah. of season. But uh, yeah. but yes, they're they're. Part of our staff, essentially, yeah. So, Jose Delgado Guevara? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Is that a very sexy name? <laughs> <laughs> I love Spanish. <laughs> yeah, and so he's your concert master. Now, what does that entail? Well, the concert master position is, uh, is, is kind of a captain position in the orchestra, so... Uh, the, the concert master is responsible for the string section first of all. Um, so they do things like set the bowings <laughs> for everyone else, so that everyone's okay. going up at the same time oh, and coming down yeah. at the same time, right? Yeah. Um, if if that's not done in advance, then you end up mucking around in rehearsal trying to figure out where you're. Can supposed you imagine? To be. So, yeah. um, so that's and it, it's one of those things that. Uh, like all musicians obviously have to to think about expression and how they're doing the phrasing and how that you know listening to what other people are doing yeah but with strings there's this sort of physical visual element to it yes yes is, uh, there is uh you know one of the very few. important to get yeah. that yeah. right and if you know half the violins are doing one thing and half the violins are doing the other, then what's the poor oboe player supposed to do? Well, and, and the violins <laughs> are going to start stabbing each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but uh, that's but, a big job. Well, that, that's big, and yeah, I mean, obviously, the concert master is also you know responsible for things like picking, you know, sitting on audition committees for string oh, players. Oh yes, and, and, yeah. You know, so they have a very senior position 
Yeah. Uh, within the orchestra. And then Flora Camusa? Camusé. Yes. Camusé. I, I, I'm afraid my French accent isn't, isn't very good. I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she, she's delightful and a, and a wonderful player. And, uh, I'm not as bad as the BCers, but I'm pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so she's our, she's our principal cellist. Okay. Um, and, and that instrument has such a uh, haunting kind of a sound to it a cello has. Uh, cello is just such an amazing instrument. It's Isn't just, it? It's just such a broad range of expression. Yes. But and, it, and, it, and just range, like physical range, right? low notes and high notes. And, and, it, and, it, and with me, it, it, it hits my bread basket. It hits mm-hmm. my yeah. inside there somewhere, like it makes it... Um, kind of jingle it's got such a power to it and yet then it'll go down to so quiet and yeah it's lovely i I really love it and then simon cole we can pronounce that one unless it's (laughs) cole unless it's cole i'd wonder if you couldn't yeah and simon's just a, a wonderful musician he's not only our principal clarinet but uh on our next concert, we're premiering one of his pieces. Oh! Which, um, he's written several pieces for the orchestra over the years, and had pieces performed by the Toronto Symphony. And oh like, my he's, goodness! Yeah, no, he's he's a real he's the real deal. Oh um, my gosh! A w- wonderful musician. They're like architects, you know. When I look <laughs> look at uh, blueprints and think, how did anybody think about putting screws and and nails and stuff and all? Right. Well, when you write a um, a musical with for all the different instruments that have to play in that, like the, come yeah, there, there's on. a lot of just knowledge of different <laughs> instruments that goes into it, yeah, sure. and and the creativity and yeah, there's the technical know-how and the theoretical. Like, oh knowledge. well, I'm going to put the violin part over here, yeah. like right? Yeah. No, no, the violin part needs to know what they're going to play because I wouldn't be able to do it for them. <laughs> I think it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, Laszlo Klein? Klein. Yeah. Klein, right. Yeah. Principal Horn. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so that would be, he would be um, in charge of all the people who play horn instruments? Or? Well, the horns and essentially the brass instruments. Brass, because, okay. Because, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's currently the only core musician who's uh, a brass player so okay he's uh, the leader of that whole section so the trumpets and the trombones and the tubas and all, oh yeah all the that fun kind of things yeah and and lynn giesbrecht yeah principal bassoon now what's bassoon again i can't remember that one is it a horn of some sort it, it's a woodwind it's a double reed so similar to the oboe yeah but it's much much bigger and, and darker sounding it's very woody sound it's, uh-huh it's a, yeah. a lovely expressive sound um uh, I, I mean, you'd know the bassoon if you heard it. Yes, for sure. I'm trying to p- picture it in my mind because it's been a while. I was thinking of that um, horn the Australians play over your your belly. Oh, the didgeridoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a little more sophisticated than didgeridoo. <laughs> yeah, it's got more notes, I guess. Eh? But, yeah, yeah, and the, I mean, the funny thing with those double reed instruments, of course, is uh, I, I mean, you have to learn how to play the instrument. Yes. But you also have to learn to to make the reeds. Oh, because uh, every bassoon player like makes their own oh, reeds, okay. so they're constantly like sculpting little pieces of cane to yeah. oh my to goodness. make the reeds. The same with the oboe, right? So it's it's huh. I I I don't know if it's half of 
you know, learning to be a really good bassoonist. Yeah. It's, it's probably close to that. I'm sure. Because yeah. I know a cousin that lived with us, he played the clarinet, and he had a reed, and he mm-hmm. had it in water a lot of the time. Yeah. And I, yeah. yeah. And uh, some of those things are kind of ugly when I think about the spit that goes into them. But never mind, it's theirs. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't share your reed water, right? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you better not. Um, and then... Uh, Adrian, Ariana, Crossland, eh? And yes. Float. Float. Flute. Yeah, Flute. flute. Uh, oh, and we have Erica playing the oboe. She's she's yeah. in there, too. Yeah. Then you have these extra mu- musicians. So these mm-hmm. extra musicians are people that you would call when you're, you're doing a... Yeah, so, yeah, so what, presentation. We, what we call the extra musicians are other professional musicians who aren't part of the regular core musicians. Yes. So they're not here all the time. Yeah. Um, we call them when we need them to, mm-hmm. to fill out the orchestra or to, you know, for particular repertoire if we need certain instruments. So that's, that's what that's about. So those are the additional professionals. That yes. We, that and are they in. here? In Prince George, some of them are. Um, yeah, I mean, ma- many uh, of them are also regional. Okay. Um, obviously, we, you know, hire within the region wherever if, we can. If you can, yeah. Um, and th- but then sometimes we do need to bring people up from Vancouver or Kelowna or yes, yeah. like because I I was counting them and I thought there was like around thirty one that you have to call on, and and you might have more or less. But I was thinking. Well, I, we, we I, have a list of people that we've worked with. Yeah, yes. we, we typically okay. don't hire that many people for a given concert. Yeah. But a, a big part of the orchestra, an important part of the orchestra, are the community musicians as well, right? Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. So I have a dream about having a fundraiser with the, the Prince George Symphony and an evening in evening gowns and having all of the um, nonprofits. Uh, being, you know, part of the fundraising and, you know, having a real dance to the, well, and you can do some old 1930s music as well. But I just mm. have this thing that one big, huge fundraiser at the Civic Center and everybody <laughs> dressed to kill, you know. Well, <laughs> you'll be happy to know that we're doing the black and white ball in May. <laughs> Are you really? So that's the plan. I yeah. didn't find it, you know. Yeah, well, it's uh, we, we still oh. have, haven't officially announced it, but yeah. that, that's the plan. Yeah. Oh, so, I've been picking up your thoughts. And that'll be the the symphony and Theater Northwest and oh, uh, the Community my. Arts Council. Oh, that'll uh, be so much fun. I hope so. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and the, and you need to have an opera singer. Well, that would be great. I, Wouldn't it? I mean. Obviously, I worked in opera for 15 years. So yeah. You oh, can always yeah. talk me into having an opera singer around, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know any offhand, but <laughs> it would be nice. And so then I was looking at um, some of the things that are coming up, and, and you've got the... Uh, the boogie with the stars. Now that's still that's. I believe that has been postponed. Okay, again. yeah, um, that's yeah. such a an attraction. Everybody oh, I, I, I can't wait to see it. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some really good dancers. Mm-hmm. And then February 26th, we've got Carl Stobe. Carl Stobie, yeah, yeah. He's uh, see, there's the E Stobie. Yeah. <laughs> so he's violin, and uh, so it, is it playing Edgar's. 
Enigma variations is that well, what the is Enigma that? variations is is a, a big sort of symphonic piece oh. that the orchestra is playing. Um, Carl Stobie, his big solo piece is the Von Williams, the Lark Ascending, oh, which is just a beautiful yes, lyrical piece. Yes. Yeah. This is this is a very English program. This one is it, <laughs> and and as I said, uh, Simon Cole's piece is is on that program. Oh as yes, well, it so. is. Yeah, the Return. Yeah, yeah. so that'll be a, a, a great. Way. As it turns out, it's our first program with yeah, the full orchestra. With everything we tried to get one in last month, but that didn't work out. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know. If we call ourselves Saskatchewan, then we don't have, everything's open now. <laughs> <laughs> so we can just say we're Saskatchewan for a while so that you can put on these beautiful programs. <laughs> so, um, and then you've got the 50-50 that will be drawn that same night as is yeah, that program? That's right. And so somebody nice. can win twenty thousand dollars and uh, up to twenty thousand. Yeah. So we're obviously the way the fifty fifty draws work. We need people to buy tickets to get yes. the, to get the ticket prize up. But it's yeah, it's so on that's its way. Twenty five dollars, so. and they can buy them on online. It's all online. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and and so it's a fundraiser for. Our Prince George Symphony, right. and you're going to benefit uh, by buying a ticket. Um, <laughs> and I think uh, it's really important that we support. I mean, we're so lucky to have a symphony orchestra in Prince George, and it's been here for a while. And you know, it's over we, fifty years. Yeah, yeah and we've yeah. got like now eighty-seven thousand people, but fifty years ago we didn't. Right. So it's amazing that we had a symphony orchestra. But yeah. you've always got people who have a gift. And you know, I, and again, it, it it comes down to the to the amateur players yes. in town, yeah. and and the willingness in the community to to support that, which yes. is fantastic yeah. to see. And that now that we have some professional musicians in town as well, yes, and you know. Now, of course, our big challenge is to is to get more. Professionals yes. In town. Yeah. Exactly. Well, um, I wanted to ask about bass. Is that bass? Do they yes. pronounce so yeah. they pronounce that bass, not yes. bass? Correct. That's yes. a fish. Yes, not the fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, is yeah. that um, like a? An o- uh, a string instrument? It is. It is. Is the, it like the one they use in the jazz? It's exactly stuff? the same instrument. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, but bowed, obviously more. Oh, I see. Yes. Um, yeah. But it, it's actually an ancient instrument. It's it's older than the violin family. Really? It's, yeah. The the bass is technically, I believe, a, a viol. Oh yes. Okay. So it, it predates the violins. Holy moly! And I mean, who uh, the heck would think of making one of those? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think once you've got the basic. Plan down, you know, like, what if we made it even bigger? <laughs> well, not only that, but they said there were giants roaming, and that might have been a violin for a giant, for all we know, right? Yeah. And then, um, because I thought that's what it was, yeah. uh, you do have a, a, a piano and a keyboard person that you can call on, mm-hmm. and uh, percussion. Yeah, we have to have drums and, and the big, big drums as well, which are ancient, right? They're like, that's how the Irish contacted each other. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, you really get down to it. Obviously, the voice and yeah. percussion and flutes. Yes, yes, enough, yes. We, we know those go back at least to the Neanderthals. Yes. So. You had to do something. Yeah. You know, sit there and drive your mom crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, and so the Discovery 
uh, concert. That's mm. in April. Oh, we've got um, the fiddle. I wanted to talk about that because uh, uh, Judy is a real fiddle. Her, she has two shows on fiddle music. Oh, great. No, I have a one show that's two hours long. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah, okay. and it's tonight from 6 to 8. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So Daniel Lapp is yeah. coming to Banyay Hall on right. yeah. April 2nd. Yeah, and hopefully some some other guests that he's bringing along as well. So oh. it, it should be a, a really fun evening. Well, yeah. Well, it, it's still taking shape, but uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. That yeah. Concert. You know, that's so uh, French-Canadian, uh, you know, the fiddle music in, the, in Newfoundland. and uh, Well, well uh, but interestingly also, uh, Prince George. Yes. Uh, he's, he's planning to do some fiddle tunes that were written... Oh really? Right here. Oh, so, good for him. Yeah, oh. I, I think it's the, the fiddle tradition is fascinating. I don't know that much about it. But yes, there's there's prairie fiddling and there's the east coast yes. fiddling and there's there's lots of really rich traditions. Yes, uh, I remember I think sitting. Daniel can play most of them. I, I am sure. Yeah. yeah, and I I remember sitting with a, an indigenous man who played the fiddle. Mm. Um, on his arm, like it wasn't yeah. on his shoulder, it was yeah. on his arm, and he just would sit in that chair and he would play, yeah. and we'd be all step dancing. It and you can't sit with fiddle music; you have to get up <laughs> and do something, right? That's if you've yeah. got a good fiddler. So yeah. that's April second, and at, that's at Vanier Hall, that's and right. then you're having a kin- another Kinder, yeah, on April twenty fourth, yeah, yeah, and that we're very excited about that one. That's uh, the Hummingbird in the Fire, which is an indigenous story. Oh, and we have uh, a oh, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, indigenous artist who's working with us, and he's going to be the the narrator. And we, uh, there's a visual element. Oh, he, uh, this nice. is Darren Corbier, who who lived here for yes. some time. Yes, um, yes, yeah. and he's also a visual artist, so he'll be providing some of the visuals oh, for the show as well. I think it's oh. going to be very fun. It's at know. the Camphor Theater. Yeah, yeah, and and then you had. That kindergarten, oh, well, the one they had to cancel, it was called uh, Morris the Moose, yes, right? Yes, poor Morris the Moose was uh, a casualty of COVID, I'm afraid. But well, maybe you can do it again when we... We're, we're planning to bring him back probably next season. When we become Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> and, they have moose in Saskatchewan. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> um, and then Nadine... Uh, Nadine Mackie Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Who's a wonderful sort of crossover bassoonist? Yes, yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm April really 30th, excited about eh? that one. That's, yeah. that's a really interesting take on an instrument that you know is often considered a sort of yeah, boring kind of a, sort of you know bottom of the orchestra yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. It's really fun when when bassoonists step out in front of the orchestra. And wow, it's it, it, you know like any instrument when you get a really great player. Yes, it's, it's yes, amazing. It's true. What, what can come when out you of get it. someone who's really comfortable with it and it's a yeah. second nature. And, and, stuff. and she's bringing a piece that I believe she commissioned. Um, oh, if, in Eastern Canada, so it's yeah. a Canadian bassoon concerto, and yeah. she tours it all over the place, and it's yeah. it's really exciting to to what, see that coming to town. So now, what did you want to talk about? Because I've been drinking up all that. <laughs> We've got about two minutes left. <laughs> Did I bring up the things I should have? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I think we talked about a lot of things. I, 
Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, it's I'm still getting my my feet under me and yeah. Prince George and, and learning things. And uh, I mean, aside from the programming that we're doing, the, the big exciting thing that hopefully is eventually coming down the pipe, of course, is uh, a, a new concert hall. Right. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, uh, I know the council has started talking about it again, or, or yeah. not specifically about the concert hall, but about yeah. downtown art strategy and infrastructure. Yes. So, yeah, so yeah, got to do some fundraising. Well, if it, first of all, we get we need to get the politicians on board, on board. and, yeah. and get, you know get people on board to to see this as a good thing that you know a, a city this size with yeah with the Arts well, organizations we're bigger, that are here, bigger, and we've got the university and the college, and we've got the training for the doctors, and yeah. you know, we've we've got uh, people who will at- attend these. Well, and and the you know the, the infrastructure is important. Yes, it is. And very, it's, I think, important for a city this size. Yeah, to, yeah, uh, I do too. To have something. Yes. Right. And, well, I haven't... Uh, uh, so the phone number for... Um, and you could talk to Christian. Christian. Christian, and yeah. He's absolutely wonderful to talk to. The number's 562-0800. And go on the uh, website and see what's happening and buy a 50-50 ticket. We've got to keep yeah. this going. <laughs> and, uh, and know, Ken, that we're here for you whenever you've got something you want to talk about. And... Uh, um, I just thought, with you being new, I need to probably ask the questions and you give the answers, mm-hmm. and we've had a great discussion. Great. Well, really, thank you for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And so we'll take a short break, and we'll be back with our next guest. Hello, I'm Carlos Núñez, the Galician Piper. Hey, this is Tim Brennan with the Dropkick Murphys. Hey, this is Dave King from Flag and Molly. Sean Smith from Lunasat. Karen Casey here. This is Ian Byrne from The Elders. Join me, Patricia Fraser, for the best Celtic music mix. Celt in a Twist, Canada's contemporary Celtic radio hour. Celt in a Twist with your host, Patricia Fraser. Tuesday nights at 8, following Fiddle Fest with AJ, here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Contracted staff are conducting targeted wildfire mitigation work in the city of Prince George. The final area of fire fuel mitigation is in the Paderni Recreation Site and is currently taking place until the end of February. Site users are warned that access to the area may be restricted. Citizens are encouraged to follow all signage located near the work sites. For more information, visit the news link at princegeorge.ca. Miracle Theatre has announced that their upcoming production of On Golden Pond has been rescheduled. The recent spread of the Omicron virus has prompted the delay in performances. The production will now run from March 23rd to April 17th. Miracle Theatre is donating all proceeds from the production to start an endowment for the Prince George Hospice Palliative Care Society with the Prince George Community Foundation. Tickets for On Golden Pond will go on sale March 1st at Books and Company. Prince George five-day forecast from Environment Canada for today. Cloudy, a few showers this afternoon. Wind from the south at 30K, gusting to 50, a high of 6. Tonight, cloudy with a 60% chance of showers. Gusting south winds continuing, a low of 4. On Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud, a 40% chance of showers in the morning. More gusting south winds and a high of 10. Sunny's the outlook for Thursday, Friday and Saturday with lows around minus 2 and highs near 5. Then the long-range forecast for Sunday and Monday, a mix of sun and cloud each day with lows near minus 4 and highs of 3. 
Brought to you in part by Riverbend Seniors Community on 93.1 CFISFM. This is Senior Moments. Okay, Sharon, we're back on and we have our next guest on the line. So we have Dr. Art Fredine, professor from UMBC. Good day, Art. Are you there? Hi, Sharon. Hi. Okay. I had to turn up my, I hadn't had my phones on. Um, are you here in town or are you traveling? I'm, I'm in town. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So you're enjoying the nice gloomy weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we had some good sun yesterday, though. That, that was, was nice. nice. Yes, it yeah. really was. Now, I asked um, Dr. Fredine to come on because we're talking about our environment. We're talking about the importance of forests and and um, and your doctorate is... Gee, where did I write that now? Uh, let you tell me. <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting. You know, academic um, pathways are often quite convoluted, and and uh, you can go in different directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my PhD was plant biochemistry. Oh. Um, looking at phosphorus nutrition of soybean, of all things. I oh, was yes. in California at the time. Yeah. And I got this great opportunity for a postdoc, which is what you do after a PhD uh, mm-hmm. before you get a, a faculty job. And and uh, it was at Stanford. Oh. And it, it took me in a very different direction. I ended up going into plant ecology and ecophysiology. So sort of looking at the field in terms of how plants and communities of plants um, function and mm-hmm. how they operate. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, the person that I worked for there, uh, he ended up getting the Nobel Prize oh. for his work on climate change impacts on plant systems. So a lot of my work was related to, to climate change and how it was impacting plants. And um, So that's a bit of my journey. And, and what would take a young fellow into being interested in plants? Hmm. I started out, my undergraduate degree was in soil science uh-huh. at the University of Saskatchewan. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, could, I was interested in planting as a kid and eating what I planted, but I, I never went any deeper than that. That's interesting. Uh-huh. We have to have people who do what you do, otherwise we'd be in big trouble. But it's interesting, eh, that uh, uh, you got right into now into forests and and to, um, I think that you want to know, you want to protect the forests in whatever way you can. Yes. And, uh, what, what actually got me my job here was my work in the boreal, this big giant boreal forest project. Uh-huh. <clears throat> So it was a uh, sort of a subset of what I did for my postdoc, and ended up working on this boreous uh, project that involved where there was basically <clears throat> an international study. Mm-hmm. Um, scientists from all over the world trying to study what the boreal forest uh, system was doing, uh, particularly with respect to its, you know, its carbon uptake and its carbon losses. Oh. Uh, so it's net carbon down. So that's really what led to this job here was because 
they were just opening up and in, in, uh, starting to hire in 93 and 94. Yep. And they wanted someone that had worked at that level in a, in a forest system. And, and uh, luckily for me, they, they uh, selected me. And so um, another word for boreal is taiga. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I worked at uh, Dunkley Lumber for a while, and there was a uh, a place called Taiga Wood Products. I think it's down in, but I never knew what the name meant. The other thing is that most of us don't even know what a boreal forest is. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is that forest of pine, spruce, and and uh, fir that grow across. The north, and of course, there are some other species that come in larch sometimes. Uh-huh. And, but we're—it's uh, quite a, a, a cold, severe climate. Uh, it's drier than where we are here, so we typically call the forest we have here the subboreal zone oh, okay. because we're 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 milder than what you typically see in the boreal forest. So boreal would be like um, around where Russia and is. And um, in parts of Russia, I guess, and maybe up high, yes. far north here would be boreal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so we call it the circumboreal because it's a forest type that goes right around the earth. Okay. Um, hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's everywhere uh, um, because I was looking at the different types of forests, and and there were seven, I think, that I read about, and uh, but I never thought about. You know, because tropical evergreen forest is is in the southern part of the world, I would think. So the boreal is the one that um, is like that blood type that you can give to everybody. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it's just that if you look at the land mass on the on the earth, right? Most uh-huh. of the of the land mass is in the north. Yes. Um, the the southern hemisphere is is actually mostly ocean. Yes, right? and whereas we have this uh, really, uh, to a large extent, a continuity of, of landmass all the way around uh, this ring around the Arctic, you know, circle. Yes, yeah. The that's, Arctic Ocean. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and that's why I wanted to talk to you, because most of us took science in uh, some science in public school, some in, in high school, and then we went off, tra-la-la-la-la. And uh, our forests are... are, are Oxygen. Our forests are very important to us. I was reading about how the forest doesn't need a human to sustain it. That a forest, <laughs> a forest has a system of its own uh, that doesn't yeah. need us around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're, we better pay attention. <laughs> I think we're a pain in the in the you know what for. Most of nature, right? <laughs> I, I I believe it too. I really do, because when when you look at a forest, it provides it, everything it needs to sustain itself. Oh yeah. And when we yeah. plant a garden, you know, we have to weed it. A, a, a forest doesn't have to have any of that. They don't need humans at all. And, no. and so I think that's very, um, I don't think people even think about that. They look at that forest and think it's there for their use, uh, to go hunting and skiing and, 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 mm-hmm. th- but it's not theirs as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. anyway. It belongs to the earth and we're just part well, of, uh, you know, part of, uh, uh, trespassers. Right. 
we've been we've been around for for what three four million years. Yep, our, our species. So we're 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 the new kids on the block. Yeah, um, and we've yeah we've expanded our population um, at the expense of all other populations, mm-hmm. right? Of living things, and so we now dominate the earth. Uh, we, we now call this period of the Holocene. Mm-hmm. We've renamed it to be the Anthropocene after us. Uh huh. Oh, not not out of vanity, but because we are the dominant disturbance feature on the planet. We are. Yeah. And our signature is everywhere. And if we don't take care of our forest. Then what happens to all the carbon dioxide that is, because the trees and the green and everything, mm-hmm. it's what gives us oxygen, isn't it? That, well, it, uh, well, the ocean actually provides a lot more oxygen than, than, uh, than a forest. Uh-huh. But uh, I think other things about the forest are really significant. One is that over half of our biodiversity is in forests. Yes. And the Amazon in particular, right? It's one of the largest forest types, and it's very rich. There's no winter, so it's, you know, yes. high high rainfall, good conditions, lots of biodiversity. So I think um, one of the really big things that our terrestrial forests do is they, they are host to all these habitats for all these different creatures. Yes. Yeah. I and I think that's wonderful when you explain it like that. Uh, mm. What survives in a forest? Now, our boreal forests play the same role in the summer, not so much in the winter. Mm-hmm. So, in in the summer, we get all of these migratory birds moving from the global south to the global north. Mm-hmm. And so through that, the, the boreal forest, including the subboreal, we have all these birds flowing back in. And uh, I'm a bird watcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a, a glorious time of, of year in the spring when they start coming back. But, but, but they're only coming because of this bounty yes. in the north. Now, if we take that away, if we take the forests away, We'll lose these migratory birds, yes, because that that's where they've been coming for for millennia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smarter than us, eh? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was. They I come was, right back to their old nesting site. Isn't somehow. that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I and I think about geothermal. Well, bears knew about that long before we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and and other little critters that go underground during the winter and mm-hmm. so your study the, uh, one of your studies is effect of forest management on climate and uh, and the other is the impact of forest management and and stand attributes on forest diversity and eco System function, and that's kind of what we're talking about. The and so the ecosystem. Exactly, what does that word mean? Yeah, the ecosystem involves the the non living and the living parts of a of a system, and it can be very small all the way out to say a watershed. Uh huh. Okay? So so it doesn't have a real uh, size limitation. It can be very small mm-hmm. if it's a 
for example, if you're talking about microbes and so on and mm. very small life forms, mm. or, or all the way to sort of whole entire watershed yes. ecosystems. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're part of the ecosystem. We've, we've learned to take advantage of that system. We have. And we've learned how to take from nature and appropriate it for our own purposes mm-hmm. and ignoring all the other creatures that live on the earth. Mm-hmm. I think if I can sum it up very simply, uh, for example, now you, you might know, already know this, but we've taken away a lot of the wild grazing animals. Yes. Look at what we did to the bison yes. on the prairies. We mm-hmm. all we eliminated yeah. them yeah. ostensibly, right? And we've replaced them with cows. Yes. Right? So now domesticated grazers outweigh in terms of biomass the natural ones by say a factor of twenty to one. Mm-hmm. Wow. Or even more. So we've literally just taken away that thing from nature and then made it absolutely serve us. Yes. Um, and the risk of that is that we've simplified the system because, as you know, we don't have many crops. We don't have many animals that we husband, no. right, no. Or, or take care of. And so we've taken all this diversity of life forms and we've turned it into basically one big farm for us. Yeah. What a bunch of greedy people. Well, we need to share, don't we? Yeah. I think we need to get better at sharing with the rest of the world because we now know that that their fate is going to be our fate. Yes. And look at the people that are starving because of what they've... um, You know, uh, you have to think about the future. You have to... uh, That Dunning-Kruger effect that you think you know all the answers and you just... Without thinking about the the consequence. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we, we need to really... um, well, we can't be selfish. We need to think about the bigger world. And, yeah. and uh, you know, we, there's, we're closing in on 8 billion human beings now on the planet. We're, we're, we're going to hit it in the next year or two, I think. Um, and that is, uh, can you guess how much we are now exceeding what the Earth can provide each year? There's we're, we're, yeah, there's a tipping point. And yeah, and we're, we're we, since since about 1970, 71, 72, we've been in ecological debt. So we are using more yes. than the Earth can give. Yes, yes. And so think about that. That's a that's already fifty years mm-hmm. of going into ecological debt. That's such bad management. Yeah, well. It comes down to values and ethics too, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and if we if we value humans over everything else, then we will continue to go down this path, unfortunately. But I think if we value all life, yes. Uh, and this is where I think maybe we can adopt a lot of the more traditional indigenous views on on nature. That we don't ex- we we are one of nature, not an exception of nature. That's right. Um, I think we, we might stand a better chance. Uh, and stop objectifying everything. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. the indigenous people believe everything has a spirit, um, yeah. and even a stone. And um, 
and so everything needs to be respected and cared for. Uh, mm-hmm. And they they also plan for seven generations. They don't plan for tomorrow. Right. And we we seem to operate on primarily economic data over uh, months. Right. Yes. Quarterly reports. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean in in actuality, I think the humans. Um, the humans that planned all of this system are stupid in my mind. I mean, um, the earth and the way the system of the earth is, everything has a purpose. Everything has a place in, in earth. Everything feeds everything, everything. Uh, and with humans, it's just me, you know, feed me, Give me its impulsivity, its greed, and uh, what do they think that those absolute mil- billionaires are building rockets and looking for another place to move to? Mm-hmm. You know that it, it, we have to understand uh, and learn from the indigenous way of living that everything. Um, has a spirit, and we need to respect it. Don't take more than you need. Mm-hmm. We, for example, per person, Canadians are one of the worst yes. in the world. So our consumption is so high that we would need uh, somewhere between four and five Earths to to let everybody live at our level. Oh, of, my. Yeah. so-called prosperity. Yeah. And so we need to we need to somehow find a way, right, to mm-hmm. live with less. Mm-hmm. And 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 my view is that that doesn't need to mean um, because we can't just undo our knowledge and our education. No. But and nor should we. But but I think it just means that we need to care about the things that truly matter. mm mm-hmm. Mhm rather than the things that we've been told matter. You know, I I live out on on the uh, Mud River, and for years there were um, swallows in the uh, cliff swallows. I haven't seen any for quite a while. Mm, And that's one uh, group of birds, you know, the ones that eat on the wing, Mm -hmm. that eat in the air, those Mm -hmm. Those swallows have been hard hit, and I think part of it is is that they rely on insects. Yes. Now, uh, you're, you probably remember the same things that I remember, but when we used to drive across the prairies mm-hmm. in a car, we would end up with spatter of bugs on the windshield. Yes. That was, yeah. um, you had to literally stop and clean the windows. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah. You don't, you don't have that anymore. No. Um, and and a lot of scientists have been following that data and realizing that we have removed insects yes. from our environment and of course they play a critical role in the functioning of our of our world and they're certainly the primary food source for birds like swallows which mm. which I also have a real love for I do too and I was so happy that they were in that embankment and um, and I saw different people um, parked there watching them, and now I don't see the, the swallows anymore. I don't see the um, those uh, what are those frogs with the, 
uh, tiger frogs green with lines in them. I, I used to go through my yard and look to, before I cut the grass to make sure there were none in there. I don't see them anymore. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and so you know they're spraying glyphosate and they're they're making um, instead instead of letting the green luscious um, fire retardant grow, uh, they're building plantations in the forest. And uh, do they even know what they're doing? We don't. No. We, we because at least when they use glyphosate in our clear cuts right there yeah they're they're just worried about decreasing the other plant competition against mm-hmm. the crop species which is usually pine yes in this area yeah um, I think we should be more tolerant mm-hmm. um, I don't think there is such a thing as a weed. Everything has. I, I've taken some training through um, medicine women. Uh, they've passed away now, and the University of British Columbia had. I forget her name, and I'm ashamed of myself for forgetting it. But they took her down to uh, the University of British Columbia, and and she showed them all of the medicine that is growing all around of us. Around us, everything has a use. That's why the Earth right. ecosystem is so important. Mm-hmm. And that was a big part of their culture too, which yes. hard to have that culture when you don't have the plant. That's right. Yeah, and I was reading today um, from um, Suzuki Foundation about the milkweed w- being destroyed, which is what the uh, monarch butterfly larva lives on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and they. They've been in trouble, too, haven't they? Yeah. Um, people are starting to see them come back, but uh, there's people who are taking it upon themselves to to uh, keep them and help them to multiply and then let them go. But how can we undo the tragedies that we've impacted on animals and uh, um, the things that keep this, this system going? I mean, the system of, of nature is a wonderful system. Mm-hmm. And then the intruder comes in, uh, and that's us. Right. And we need to, yeah, we need to protect these these ecosystems, including these this life. I don't know if you have looked into the tipping points, but mm-hmm. one of one of the major tipping points that we're we're very dangerously into right now is is. Uh, species extinction. Yes. And we're going through what they call our sixth major mass extinction event on Earth. Yeah. Um, driven by humans. So this is really sad. Yeah. It's, it's something that I think is at the forefront of my thinking. It comes up every day. Yeah. For me. Yes. Uh, mind you, I, I'm a biologist and so on. So. Yeah. Um, the other one is climate change, but also... Um, there's there's other uh, transgressions, I guess, you, of this safe space that we can can live within on Earth, and there's quite a few of those now that are becoming really concerning. Climate change is a, is a really big one, just because things are changing so quickly now. Yes. And the other thing about climate change, people should realize, is that it imp- it impacts everything. Mm-hmm. So if 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 our climate goes, so goes. Yeah. Um, 
the world as we know it. Yeah. Because things will change. Think of think of BC last year in 2021. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had we had a heat dome, fires that destroyed you know Lytton. We had yes, and then we had these floods, these atmospheric rivers, and all of these are statistically much more likely to happen as we as climate change progresses. Yeah, and people just go on and don't uh, get involved and. We can make changes if we come together and demand um, that we start to um, really look at what we're doing and uh, start to look at what we did in the past and yeah. and start to use that. I remember as a kid when the the horses would deliver, say our the bread man would come by and the horses would. Uh, have a drop their manure on the road, and the neighbors would run out with their shovel and a bucket and get it to put on their gardens. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't using Roundup, which is poison. And how much of that is in our food, and how much of that is is causing aut- autism and Parkinson's? And uh, um, I've been kind of studying that a little bit to uh, get to know the damage that mm-hmm. it does to us, and. Um, you know, our, we're getting close to having. But can we can we do this again? Can we talk again about what you're learning, and and what we can do to help make change? Sure, I'd, I'd be happy to, Sharon. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a sad subject, but um, I don't know if you read Mike uh, Morris's um, article that he did called "Getting the Balance Right." Improving, mm-hmm. it's called Getting the Balance Right. It was August 2015, uh, Improving Wildlife Habitat Management in British Columbia, and he's our MLA here. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. And so I'll send you that, uh, in, uh, so you can have a read at, of what he discovered, uh, and his conclusion. And, you know, he's right, you and him are right on the same page. And I've got, um, uh, the Suzuki Foundation, they're going to do an interview with me on the 15th, I think. And, okay. and we'll talk a little bit about that. And I'd like to get Greenpeace on. I really uh, feel um, that we need to take this opportunity to educate people and get them to realize that we're killing our world and we're doing it. Nobody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, we need to we need to take uh, full responsibility and and make the right moves as we go forward. Yeah, and with the floods and the fires, we start realizing how how uh, vulnerable we are to to uh, depending on other people to bring our food in, and mm-hmm. uh, and so that's something else that we can talk about. But I I want to thank you for yeah. taking the time to talk to us today and uh, enlighten us and I would like to uh, do it again in a month or so and uh, talk a little bit more about uh, in, uh, pesticides and things like that. Yeah, that's right and, and, and also uh, I know we're running out of time but just a quick quick note here um, I'd, I'd like to maybe we could discuss uh, solutions maybe we can well, start thinking about Things that all of us can do yeah. to uh, to get ourselves out of this this real difficult situation. Let's do that. I will. Okay. I'll get a hold of you, and we'll talk about setting up uh, and figuring out how to solve the problems we've done. We've committed. <laughs> thank, okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this, Doctor. You're Friday. very welcome, Sharon. Thanks for inviting me. Ta- talk to you soon. 
Bye-bye. And this is Senior Moments, and this is it for this week. Tune in next week. Senior Moments is a co-production of 93.1 CFIS-FM and the Prince George Council of Seniors. Senior Moments is produced by Sharon Hearn with production assistance from A.J. Fair. Theme music is courtesy of Golf Brooks Music. Catch the rebroadcast of today's show tonight at 9 or replay past shows through the podcast at cfisfm.ca.